I'm Pastor Steve, and we are in the middle of a series on just sex, just money, just power in our year of living justice. And here's my question for you. How does money make you feel? Let's just think about it for yourself for a minute. And then I'd like you to share with somebody next to you. And I, I imagine there's several things it makes you feel, several different ways it makes you feel. Um, so talk to somebody next to you. Okay, let me hear a, a word here and there for somebody who, what, how does it make you feel? Secure. Secure. Powerful. Powerful. Safe. In charge. Huh? Stressful. Okay, stressed. Confident. What? Blessed. Generous, okay. They still tend to take the cash, even if it's drawn on. So you'd find it a good piece of paper to draw on. Okay, all right. Somebody else? Sad. Okay. Thankful. Neutral. Okay, somebody actually feels neutral about money. That's amazing. Um, it's good to think about how we feel about money because um, it tends to be not so much what we think about things as what we feel about things that tends to, uh, you know, when you go into the store, you go into the car dealer, whatever, you, you, came, you went in with a plan, right, that you were going to get this one pair of jeans or whatever, and then somehow your feelings uh, take you other places, right? And, and you'll ha you might notice that when... Advertisements come on the TV or wherever else. They, they don't tend to give you rational reasons. Here's four reasons why you should... No, no, no. They, they grab your feelings about something, right? Because um, our feelings tend to impact our decisions. Um, so how, we make, how it makes us feel is a, is a good thing. So when it comes to money... Here's some of the questions about money and possessions. These are, these are questions we've been asking about money, sex, and power. We talked about them at the beginning. Are they good or bad, money or possessions, um, and why? So sometimes when you read the Bible, it seems like money is good, possessions are good, God makes people wealthy. Sometimes it's like, oh, watch out for, for money. It's, it's like, what, what, which is it? Um, and how do we sort out those different things? And, and sometimes listen to different preachers, you hear totally different messages about uh, what, what it should be and, and songs or whatever. Um, where does it come from and how do I get more? That's the more important question for us, right? How do I get more? 
Um, who decides who gets how much and how they should be used? And what is the purpose? And how can I handle them well? Uh, so there's a few of the questions we'll be trying to talk about in the next couple of weeks. Um, starting now, so I want to just take us back to Genesis 1. God made us in his image. And he said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. So God abundantly blessed them. It says in chapter 2 that he planted a garden and he put the man there. The Lord had made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful, that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he gave him beauty and bounty and lots of food. And he said, you can freely eat from any of these trees. He, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and watch over it. He gave him work. Work was a blessing. So it was God's. It was God's blessing. But he also gave the man a chance to tend and watch over and, and care for creation. And out of that, be blessed. Out of his work. So the normal way that God blesses us is he blesses us, but combined with our work. Um, and God looked over all you made, and he saw that it was very good. So all the creation that God makes us is very good. We have to remember that, because sometimes we can think that so many bad things happen because of money that we can become real aesthetics in the bad sense, that we just want to go off in the desert and, and fast for the rest of our lives so that we don't get caught. And there's some motivation to that. There's some reason to that. I mean, Jesus went off to the desert for 40 days and didn't eat. There's, there is reason to, but we have to remember that they're good blessings, very good. The whole of creation is very good from God. A um, few things about money, sex, and power. They're good blessings from God. They're just creations. They're not God's. Um, they're part of being God's image. Every other person is also in God's image, so they also are equally, God wants us to bless them and be, to, be together. God decides the purpose and parameters because it's his. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, Psalm 24, 1 says. It belongs to God, all of it. And they're keys to living justice with and for God and for and with people. If we get these right, it'll go a long ways toward us actually living justice. And they're not just for self, greed, lust, pride. The righteous and the just use it for others in community, even at personal cost. You'll see that in the Old Testament especially, but other places. The righteous, the just, they, they use these things for other people and for God, even when it costs them. The wicked, on the other hand, they use the community and other people even if for personal benefit, even if it costs other people. That's, that's a, a distinction that's, that's made. So... Um, so Genesis 1 to 3, a few conclusions. We looked at this, so I'm not going in depth, but God creates and owns everything. Everything we receive, both originally and now, your daily bread comes from God. He owns everything. That means I own nothing. But he has put some things for me to tend and watch over and work with for his glory and to benefit other people, he abundantly blesses. It's a matter of grace. He gives us way more than we deserve. Now, we like to think that we deserve what we, our paycheck and our work, but 
when it gets straight down to it, you know, who gave us the job, who gave us the skills, who gave us the health, who gave us the breath to do that? It all came from God, right? And he graciously blessed us. It's a grace from him. He gives food, beauty, and work, as we said, to care for his creation and for his glory. Because all of creation is for his glory. That's why he created. He didn't actually create it for us. We're part of all that he created for his glory, and we get to help the rest of creation praise him. And we are dependent on God and interdependent with creation and other people. So God says, here, take this and care for it. And then it says that we are, like other animals, preachers with a living breath. We are made out of the ground. We're, we like to think of ourselves as totally different from creation. We're part of creation. We're in de- interdependent with creation. If other things don't grow, we die too, right? We are interdependent with creation. And, we're, and he said it's not good for a man to be alone. He needs to have other people. We're interdependent with each other. And yet we keep always trying to be independent, right? The goal is financial independence. Is that a biblical goal? Um, I mean, there's, so again, here's the balance. There's Proverbs that say, you know, look, sluggard, look at the ant. They save up for the winter. It's good to put some wood away before the winter. It's good to have a little savings so you can pay for your fuel oil. It's not bad to save, but to get to where you're financially independent, which is this theory that we're going to have, we're never going to depend on anybody else. Um, I don't know if it's a biblical goal, even though it's a big one for us. It leads to pride and leads to injustice and curse. So that's chapter 3. They, they decide for themselves what they're going to do. That leads to injustice and a curse on the ground, a curse on the snake. It's actually not on the people. Notice that in that, even when God talks to them, he says, you are going to bear children with pain. So there's still a blessing of you're still going to bear children, but it's going to be with pain. And you're going to get food from the ground, but with sweat. And you're going to have to deal with weeds. And so work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. And God says he's still going to provide for us, but there's a lot more weeds and there's a lot more viruses in the computers and in our other bodies and other things um, that weren't there originally. So relationships were just right and blessed with God, with creation, with each other, but they became unjust because of that, doing it our own way. So I wanted that background to, okay, so let's um, try to hop, skip, and jump through the, the Old Testament we went through the, the laws of Moses. There were all these laws that helped them to have a just relationship with God and with others. The land belonged to all, belonged to God, and therefore they were to share with each other in just ways. There were sacrifices, there were tithes, um, and there's debate whether it was 10% or it was actually 10% for the Levites, 10% for the celebration together, and uh, 10% every third year, so a third. So 23%, uh, that was for the poor. So it, it was to take care of the community and the worship of God. There was maybe a 23% tithe or or three tithes. Um, And all of that was really, the point was to acknowledge that it all belongs to God. And God is king. It was taxes to the true king. Um, We pay taxes because we're citizens of the United States of America. And we want to stay that way. Um, we don't want to be thrown in jail. We, we pay taxes to God because he's, we're saying the earth is the Lord's, including the United States of America, and we want to um, acknowledge him. Now, okay, so there was kind of a 10% base. You get to the New Testament, doesn't talk much about that. 
because um, there wasn't nearly as much grace in the New Testament, right? Uh, or maybe there was more. And most of the examples we have is people given more than just the base, um, not robbing from God. So, Matthew 6, Jesus um, says this. He says, we, we talked last time about the man who had a, found a treasure hidden in the field and went with joy to sell all that he had so he could have that treasure. The treasure was the kingdom of God, right? Now, Matt, Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth. You shouldn't. He doesn't say you shouldn't. He says, not the best investment choice. Why? Because moths eat them and rust destroys them and thieves break in and steal and recessions come and prices go down and things go in, and inflation goes up. And um, store your treasures in heaven that live for the day where moths and rust can't destroy and the thieves don't break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. This is the way it is, folks. Your heart will follow your treasure. Where you invest is where your desires, your thoughts, your feelings are going to be. If you invest in your kids, you're going to be thinking about your kids and how they're doing. If you invest in your car, you're going to see, you know, you get a brand new car, you're going to, you know, be careful that it doesn't get dented and and make sure that it doesn't, um, if you invest in whatever you invest in, so there's stocks that I pay no attention to, right? But if I, I do have a mutual fund, I, I sometimes check where's my mutual fund gone, right? In fact, doing this, this sermon, I was wanting to check my accounts a little more than I, than I had otherwise. Why is that? It was probably just fine. But I checked into my bank a few times. So where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. So Members Cooperative Credit Union in Cloquet, Minnesota happens to be a place I care about. There's other banks I don't care about at all. That's where my treasure is, so I, I care a little bit. They got my mortgage, I care a little bit. Um, so you're, so I, somebody told me about a missionary who came and said, you know, I'm not going to ask you to pray for me. I'm not going to ask you to, he said, just give. Because I know if you give, you'll pray. You'll, you'll read our newsletters. You'll, you'll, you'll think about all this other stuff because your heart's going to go. I was never that bold. But uh, your heart's going to go where your treasure is. Um, and then he says this, no one can serve two masters. Jesus said, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or mammon. And it's kind of should be in a capital letter. This is a competing thing that you could serve. Jesus is setting this up. Now, most of us are like, well, can I serve God and, and money? I mean, I, I need money and I, I, you know, I need to take care of that. And Jesus says, no. One of them is going to be your priority. One of them is going to be who you serve. And so this is not easy because we, we uh, really, it's a choice between I can only serve one or the other. That's, that's what Jesus says. Money, he says it mammon like it's a god. Like it's a power and a principality. It's something that wants your allegiance. Um, you remember we've done this a little bit. That's the, the top of the temple tower. We, we can put money 
in place there. And Keller says this about, we're going to just remind you, what's an idol? It's anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. So, think about this last week. Did you think about God more? Did you think about money more? Did you spend time working for God more? Did you spend time working for money more? Did you spend time... Check, check your heart. And anything you seek to give you what only God can give. What, what kinds of things do people seek money to give them that actually only God can give? Peace of mind, okay? Uh huh. Happiness, yeah. Popularity? Security? Yeah. Love, okay. So there's always going to be things that money is promising to provide, and other people are promising to provide for you for a price claiming that money is going to do this for you, right? Like life insurance doesn't actually add a single day to your life. But sounds good. Um, that I was watching, Jan sucked me into the watching the U of M uh, Penn, Penn State game. Yeah, I see somebody's got their, their sweatshirt on. So that was, anybody glad the U of M managed to pull that game out? Pretty fun, yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, so I was watching some of the commercials. So one of the commercials has a, has a guy mowing his lawn. He's sweaty. His daughter comes out and says, Dad, can you take me to Jessica's house? And he says, and he starts dreaming about digging a pool in his yard. And he's going to play with his daughter, and they're going to have so much fun. And then, this, then it comes on with, so here's this investment. Somehow they're going to, what are they What are they promising? They're promising you're going to have a connection and a love relationship with your daughter because we're going to give you a loan or some, somehow we're going to give you money. We're going to take your money probably in the process of giving you money. But, um, and of course, maintaining, building and maintaining a pool is, is a lot easier than mowing a lawn, right? right? That'll give you a lot more time to spend with your daughter. And of course, you'd never have to pay off the loan or any work any extra hours or worry about that. You know, he could have just said, you know, let me take you and your friend Jessica to the Como pool. Cost us seven bucks and uh, it's a hot day. No, 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 we got to have the dream of a pool where we're all going to be happy. And a similar one was, you're only seven once and she, they take them off to a tropical vacation with the daughter and she's, she's actually bored and can't figure it out. And finally they go to the ocean and she's happy. Wow. You know what? The truth is most of us don't get that. Most of us, because we buy the house we have to mow the lawn for or the pool or the vacation, we end up not having time with our seven-year-old. Or, right? We, especially because we put it on credit card or loan, then we... It doesn't give us time to be a happy family. It gives us stress and less time. But, supposedly, 
it's going to give you what actually only God can give you a good relationship with your daughter. Right? Um, so, yes, food, beauty, security, worth, um, lots of things. Or maybe these, power, approval, reputation, control. That's behind some of the idols we put up, like money, right? We're really trying to get control. We're trying to find, we're trying to use money for non-material things. Like we could control people. We could get the vote to go our way. We could make people do what we want. We could have people respect us. Actually, Jesus says in in another passage that we might look up, he says, Use money to buy, use worldly wealth, unrighteous mammon, to get friends for yourselves. So he says getting friends is a good thing. Using money for for friendships and for family, that's a good thing. Trading it in for non-material things, but which non-material things? Things that last. People, the church, those things are eternal, right? Okay. Um... That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life, even if you have life insurance? When we worry, it says something, doesn't it? Nobody said when I said money, nobody said anxious, although stress came up. But worry is there because we don't trust God. I mean, this picture is Adam and Eve back in the garden, right? Living like birds, living like flowers, eating the fruit, tending things, doing, doing the, a, a, a certain relaxation and flow. Knowing that God is walking in the garden with them, God's going to take care of them. Do you believe that God really cares for you? Do you believe that God really thinks you're valuable? Do you believe that God has the power to provide everything you need? Or if you had a little more net worth, you'd be worth more. Or you'd have less cares if you had a little bit. So, but... This is the thing we have to believe, is that actually God cares for us. Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. You know, the trees don't look so good at the moment, but a couple weeks ago, they were pretty cool. God did pretty well with the trees. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, and maple trees that are... Falling on, the, falling the leaves on the ground, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Yeah, why? Why do we have so little faith? Why are we so unsure that God's going to... Why is it hard to trust God? Um, I think we have to ask ourselves that question because it, he's talking about it like it's a no-brainer, Right? Um, and I, I skipped a slide here, or I, I deleted it accidentally, so you might want to turn to the passage, which continues, Matthew 6. Um, or somebody can recite it for me, I bet. Where does it go from there? Matthew 6, 
So don't worry about these things, saying, what shall we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live justly, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Do we believe that? Well, we believe that today's troubles are enough. I probably, that's probably true. Um, do we believe that today's money is enough for today? Or do we need to get a little, put a little on the credit card to make sure that, uh, you know, we're covered? Or, or the savings, do we need to save or hoard maybe? Where's the line between saving for winter and hoarding for decades? Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I think we're all someplace along the line here. But he says if we seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously or live justly. Now, why don't we live righteously or justly? You know, we could do more for people who are really needy. Right? We, could, we could make a difference in, in the lives of people um, by the way we give, by the way we vote, by the way we um, change structures in our workplace, where, whatever we do, right? We could make things more just. Why don't we? The main reason is we're concerned. We're anxious. We're worried that we won't have enough if we give some away. Or if we change the structures so that we don't get as much. Right? If we let more immigrants in the country, they're going to take all the stuff we got. If we... Uh, anyway, I could, we could go on about different ways that we want things to keep for ourselves. And we have to... I mean, I got a lot of bills I got to pay, Right? I can't really live as justly as I'd like to because I'm not sure, well, really, I'm not sure about tomorrow. Most of us aren't really giving to the point where we're hungry today. Most of us here. Now, I know some people who are giving to the point where they're hungry today so that others can eat with them. But most of us here, that's not the issue. Some of us possibly. And we do have a benevolence fund in case you, uh, Anne's over there. Anna's over there if you really are hungry today. Um, so, seeking his kingdom first. Um, 1 Timothy 6 has some similar things to say. He starts with, um, he's talking about other people who, who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Now, I just want to put that up there for a minute because God blesses people, Okay? You can depend on God to take care of you. You really can. And that's why you can give, and you can give knowing that God's going to take care of you. If you've got bills, if you've got credit, don't stop giving because that's saying, well, no, I'm not depending on God to take care of things for me. I'm depending on money or what's in my account or something. Give into paying your bills. Does that make sense? If God's king, well, we give a tithe so we know that you acknowledge God's king, and he's going to take care of it. Don't cheat on your uh, application or your financial aid application or something, you know, shade things or your taxes, because you don't need that. God's going to take care of you. No. But there are people who take 
the true message of Scripture that God is going to bless you, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you, and, and God likes to give 100 times as much, and they'll make it into a guarantee. And then what happens? God becomes my genie in the bottle. I put this money in, and he gives me all this, and then when I'm done, of course, the genie goes back in the bottle, right? I don't need them anymore. God is not a means to provide your financial or other needs. God is the goal to which you should use your money or everything else you have. God's the end, the purpose. His glory, loving him, loving people, is the point. The other things are means. You remember even there was a little song about using things and loving people. That's the way it's meant to be. But it's very easy for us to twist it around so we're using people and loving things. How do you treat the clerks in the store? Uh, as, as real people or people who are more like a vending machine that are just supposed to get you your things? Um, we need to love people, glorify God, and use things and money toward that end. But it's easy to overemphasize a truth to the point where it's a guarantee. So I would love to have, even next time, some people share some stories about giving or about how God's blessed them. If you want to contact me with a, with a story you want to share, that'd be great. Um, because we have so many stories that, that God has done that for us. I've seen it myself so many times. And you know, the funny thing is God tends to get us into places where we need to learn that. Um, where somehow God always maneuvers me into a new situation just when I was feeling good about a particular situation. Um, I've, got, I've got money, and things seem to be going pretty well, and then he maneuvers me into a situation where I, I really need help. And it's tempting to pull out the credit card and take care of that, but he hasn't promised that. Um, so godliness, he says on, goes on here, but... But then, and then just when I'm proud of how simple I'm living, then he gives me more. And now I can't be proud about how simple I am. So God always just keeps shifting things around to build our trust, to build our chances, to, to bless people. Um, he's using financial things as a means to do something amazing in your life. He wants to build trust. He wants to provide for you. He wants to show you how, how he can do things. And when, you get your, when he maneuvers you into places that you need him, don't maneuver your way out. You know, when he, when he kind of locks you in where you have to depend upon him, don't, like, try to get out of the door. You know? We can try to slip the, slip the place he's got us in, the tight spots so we can, where we can learn to do things. He... But what he's trying to teach us is true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Do you know people who are truly godly and truly content? I hope you do. I know some. And they are really wealthy. They are really joyful. They are really loving. They are really fun to be around. I know some other people who are, and actually it doesn't, they, I know them at all different levels of income. It's not really about the level of income. 
I know other people at all different levels of income who are not content. Hang around them long enough and you, they won't give them 10 minutes, they'll start complaining about something. You know those people. Maybe you are one. Maybe I am one sometimes. Godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Um, one of the books I was reading used the analogy, I think I used the, well, when we were in, in let, let's say you were, uh, you're living here, but you don't really have visa to be here. Your family's someplace else. We have some people like this. Um, are you, are you going to put all your money here, buy a house, get, get things all lined up, get your car, get everything here, or are you going to send money home to your family? Because any day your visa could be up and you, you wouldn't be able to take more than a suitcase with you. And in fact, you don't even get to take a suitcase when you die. And you don't know when your visa is going to expire to this life. So really, you should be sending money home. And we, I know a lot of the immigrants here do send a lot of money home because they, they, their life is there. They have uncles and aunts and mothers and fathers and sometimes kids who are there. You might think they're poor, but they're actually wealthy in all the relationships they have there. Right? But some of us are invested in this life and in this place, and we're not really investing in where we're going to have to move to. Any day, your visa is going to expire. And anything you left here, I hope you have a good will and it's going to a good cause, but that doesn't totally count because you didn't actually take the risk. You didn't actually give it yourself. Good, good to put it in. We'll talk about wills maybe sometime, but um, let's be content. That's the work that God's got to do in our hearts, really. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Now, that's not what they say in the ads, but yeah, ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Is that true? Have you seen people for love of money cheat, steal, do bad things to people they love otherwise? Um, think about examples you have in your own life of people who, for the love of money, have overworked to the point where they lost their mental health, um, gotten stressed, lost their physical health, lost their relationship with their kids, their parents, whatever, right? They plunged into many foolish and harmful and into ruin and destruction. And their spiritual lives often crash and burn or just maybe slowly derail. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Pride. Uh, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Many people have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Honestly, I'd say as a whole, Western Europe, and America's headed there, and some of the We've wandered from the true faith, pierced ourselves with many sorrows, because just like it was predicted in the books of Moses, we've gotten depending on other things, too complacent. We don't really need God, so we don't really bother with God, because we got things covered and insured and 
Sometimes, let's be honest, at the times in your life when you've really had to depend on God for finances, have you prayed more or less? Usually more, right? And God does that so we can learn to trust Him. But He also gives us other challenges, like, hey, learn to trust me with this and learn to give with this. He starts to meet our needs and then He starts to give us seeds to, to plant other places. But we can fail that test and start to depend on the, what we've got in the silo, right? It's, uh, this is just sad that this happens. So, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. Oh, yeah, those people, they should do that. Who are those people? In this world... I'm going to say, I'm going to make a guess that all of us in this room, well, let me say most of us. Most of us in this room are in the upper half, upper 10%. Um, let's be honest that we're rich on a world standard. I mean, when I, I, I cut my income way down to a third or something, went to Tanzania, and I was rich. Um, because I, I could actually get on a plane and fly internationally. No, nobody else could do that, um, and among other things. So teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. Ooh, it's hard not to be proud when you've got money. Watch American short-termers when they come to another country. They listen for a couple days maybe, and they start giving suggestions. They've been there for well, maybe a week, and they start, okay, some of you who've been in other countries ever had that experience where Americans know how things should be in your country? Yeah, based on what they saw on YouTube? Yeah, and, and the conversation they have with you. For, it tends to make people proud. And you ever been around rich people here? tend to have an idea about what you ought to do with your stuff, right? How you ought to run your business, how you ought to do things, because it tends to make us proud. So we need to guard against that. Tell them not to be proud and not to trust in their money. Which is so unreliable. Isn't that what Jesus just said? Paul's repeating it. It's unreliable, folks. There's a recession coming, in case you didn't know. Nobody knows when it's coming, but everybody knows it's coming. That's just the way business cycles go. It's the longest growth time we've ever had. The recession's coming. That's what happens. Don't trust your money. It's unreliable. Um, last time I was really impressed with this, it was 2007. I was talking to people who would lost their houses and other things that were... It's unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Now that's a part that I need to also hear. Because I grew up with kind of a uh, poorer is holier sort of thing, a little bit. You know, you were you're more aesthetic. You were, but God gave us things to enjoy. He actually wants us to enjoy things. The creation is good. That doesn't mean we should trust it, but it's a good thing. So some of you need to hear that God gave us things to enjoy. You don't have to feel guilty about the fact you have some things. So 
here, this is again, I told you God, God messed with me. So I used to be, um, when I was your assistant pastor, I, you know, I had $25 worth of furniture and I was going to the mission field and I, that was, and I was a little bit simpler than now, holier than now because I was so dedicated. I got there and you know what God did to me? I, I looked for a five-room house. He gave me a five-bedroom house. And seriously, I was like, no, no, this can't be the plan. It's, yes, it's next door to the Bible school. Yes, it's cheaper than the other houses I've looked at. But this can't be what God wants for missionaries. So I talked to John Wanslima. I said, you know, what, what do you think about this? I mean, it's so big next to your house. He said, I think it's God's plan. It's like, seriously? So I, I had to deal with my guilt about all of a sudden I had a new house and new furniture. And, and, and I, I'm going to confess, I had three sailboats. And I was a yacht club member when I was in Tanzania. The sale post cost me about $400, and the yacht club membership was about $4 a month. But local most, a lot of other people didn't go to the yacht club. It was fun for my My kids really love sailing. And we got to go to an outdoor swimming pool at their school. It, it, we were rich, yes. We still are rich. Those people are still there, whether you know them or not. Um, but God had to work on me to do that. And was I going to be the, the sacrificial missionary, or was I going to be the rich person that people needed to borrow from and, and I need to give to? And Always both, mostly at the same time. And a lot of you feel that way, those of you who are, who are in different countries. I think feel that way. Your, your, your relatives back home are saying, hey, you were there, come on, help us out, do some stuff. And then you go other places and you feel like you're poor, right? Feel like you're torn between because of our comparison, right? So tell them to use their money so he richly gives us everything we need for our enjoyment. He wants us to enjoy it. It's also for his glory, but enjoy the good gifts. Freely eat from that fruit that he's given you. Um, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in needs, always being ready to share with others. Money, time, um, whatever you've got. So the youth shared their skills and, and energy and served everybody at the banquet. They maybe didn't write the biggest checks, but they, had, they gave what they had. Um, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Hey, folks, read that again. This is not what you saw in the advertisements. This is not what your financial planner is likely to tell you. This is not what your neighbors are going to say. By doing this, being ready, being generous, sharing with others, you're building, storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life now and forever. You can build a foundation with money. You just got to build it in the right place. You just got to send your money ahead to the place where you're going to have your real house. You, you get what I'm saying? Here's the thing. There's this dual, different messages that come in Scripture. One is, watch out! Money is poison! Don't hold it in your hands longer. It'll get to your heart. As John Wesley said, I don't want it in my heart's hands very long or it might get to my heart. So he, he, he kept, he made $28 in 
he made $32, gave 28 away, and then he said, this is enough for me to live on. So the next year he made 60, gave 28 away, or he kept, so he lived on 28 pounds. Um, so he was living on $12,000 and making $160,000 in today's terms. And he just kept his lifestyle where it needed to be, and he just kept giving it away. Now that wasn't even like adding to 15, 20% because he got more. He was just like, this is what I need. The rest can just flow through me. There are some people who do it that way because they are building a good foundation and discovering what true life is. Do you want to experience true life? Could we radiate life and joy? We cannot radiate life and joy if we don't get this right, folks. We got to get our money straight to experience true life. We get our money, the treasure in the kingdom, to experience that joy. And it's a sure foundation, unlike the U.S. economy, unlike your house, unlike your investments, unlike your retirement package. Now, those can all be good. You can, things you've got wants you to enjoy. First question, though, is, have you asked God? This is one thing Pastor Jim taught here years ago that I have never forgotten. He said, the question is not, can I afford it? The question is, does God want me to have it? Or to give it, or to whatever. The, because I had pretty much been taught, you got to live, okay. The secret to financial success is very simple. Ron Blue says, make more money than you spend and do it for a long time. Pretty easy. Well, sort of easy. In theory. Easy theory. So I, that was always very, you know, very important to me. Keep my expenses low so that I'd have a margin. But the idea that God could ask me to give, not because I could afford it. The other piece is a lot of us are like, well, I can afford it. Or maybe not even I can afford it, but I can make the payments. So I'll do it. When we haven't even asked God, do you want me to have it? Have we seriously prayed about, God, do you want me to have this? Here's the thing. God wants us to enjoy and to have a good foundation and to have life. And if we just ask him, he's happy to tell us, yeah, go for it. Or, no, I wouldn't. And even investment schemes. I've been involved in uh, investment schemes that were schemes. Uh, I, God blessed me and I got out before it was evident, but... Um, how do we even know that stuff? Well, discernment. Asking God. And I actually, we can get proud of we're doing pretty well, we know how to handle our money, but we don't without God's help. Do we? Okay. A few action steps. Um, and now, there's quite a few here, so you don't have to, uh, you can write them down, but pick one to do or two or three. Um, if you can do them all, that's great. Don't do it this week. Write them down. Take them home. Get in touch with your feelings about money. Dethrone money. Desecrate it. Because money is not God. It's not sacred, so you should desecrate it. Now, um, so, you know, yeah, why don't you just write on that, see if they'll take it or not. Stomp on the ground. You know, it's just, it's just money, right? It's just a piece of paper, just a 20. See, my, my 
my faith is bigger than it used to be. I used to do, I did this with a one. Jim said, I used to do that with a 20, so. Um, oh, I should have done with a 50. Could you give me a 50? <laughs> so, now I want you to know how, how did you feel about that? Anybody have a little bit of a, oh! I, 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 I tend to, yeah. But I've done this before. This is the second time, and it's, so I'm getting used to it. Um, because this is just a, it's just a piece of paper. It's just a means of exchange. You give me some eggs, I'll give you some corn, and rather than write a bunch of IOUs, we're just going to do it this way, right? So it's not God, folks. Why should it? Well, that's what happened to Judas, right? When they broke the alabaster jar, Judas was like, well, that was worth me. And it says he did that because he was pocketing well, you should give that to the ministry because it was... So, um, what are your feelings about money? How can you desecrate it, dethrone it, so that it doesn't decide your life? How can you get God to decide your life? Okay, so let's have a little few more suggestions about how. Stop denying our wealth. We just talked about that. Those passages about rich people, they apply to me and to you. Now, we have convenient ways of zoning so we don't live by those people. We don't let them in our borders. We don't do things so that we don't feel like we're... And, and, and when we watch TV, everybody's wanting, like, so you could be like this. And oh, I don't have that. So we, we have this skewed comparison thing, right? Um... Obey. Really. Whatever God's told you, obey it. And then pray. In fact, you need to commit that you're going to obey before you pray or you read Scripture. Because otherwise you're going to, like, get around what Scripture says. And God's not going to show you what he wants. Romans 12 says, put your self on the altar, and then he'll show you his will. But he doesn't like, so God, what would you want me to do? Because I'd like to consider your opinion. It's his. Pray, and then listen to all of the Bible on money. Like we said, there's different parts of Scripture. So at one point, I went through, through, uh, through Proverbs and just put a money a dollar sign by every, everything about money, and then I photocopied it and cut it up and re rearranged them so I could see what it said. Um, you could also take a highlighter, take the right color, go through your New Testament, highlight everything that's about money. You could probably look it up in a, in a book or something as well, but there's something powerful about also highlighting it as you go. What does it say? And then balance. So the Proverbs say one thing about a time when things were, the prophets say something very different about oppression and, and because it was a different situation when the prophets were writing most of them versus when Proverbs was written. Put it together. 
Um, and then pray. <laughs> and see what God wants you to do, and then obey. We need to understand ourselves and our world, and also money management. So those are several different things, but we need to understand the psychology. Think about what is going on in your heart. Think about the psychology of people. Think about the psychology all the advertisers are using on you. Um, and then think about sociology in the world and what's happening. What, where, what does justice mean here and internationally and how could I be part of that? And then, yes, we need some technical stuff about money management. What, what is a IRA and why should I use it or, or not? And what, 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 uh, how, do I, how do I use the different, um, you know, where is good interest? What's, is it good to rent? Is it good to buy? Is it good to do whatever? The technical pieces are important to learn about. They've been helpful to me to, to learn about the technical pieces. But So do learn about the technical pieces, but do it after you've learned about what the Bible says and you've got your heart straight so that your money manager, your finance person, doesn't say, so I was talking to a finance person, good Christian guy. He was telling me, yeah, so the, the tithe is there so that you can give that and then you can, the rest of it you don't have to worry about poor people and all, you can just use it for your investment. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Really? Tithe is just something to get out of the way so I can do whatever I want? Or isn't that the goal to have treasure? So you have to be careful with your advice, even if it's from Christians. So talk about it. Confess. Confess that you like to check your accounts and what you've been doing and where the, where the places are that it has a grip on you. In Minnesota, we don't talk about money. Not us Scandinavians anyways. Nobody talks about what they make. Nobody talks about what they've saved. Nobody talks about maybe, maybe what a good deal they got on something. But we don't talk about our salaries. Other places they do. They brag about them. Minnesota, no, no, no. And that's, you know, part of the Minnesota nice, keeping everything even, pretending we're all the same. But, but the problem is that secret has a hook. You don't have to talk to everybody about what you make, thank you very much. But talk to somebody. Um, find somebody, a small group. Find somebody you can talk with. Find somebody to struggle with you through it. Say, I don't know what I should do about this. You know, I, I feel like I, I've noticed this. I hope if you're married, you can talk to your husband or wife. Now, that's not necessarily the case. It's been so helpful for me to have Janice have a different perspective. She listens to my perspective. I listen to her perspective. We pray about it. We come back. We think about it again. And, we, and uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I would have done that would have been stupid. And she uh, has been challenged on some things, too, that it's really helpful. But we need others as well. And if you're single, you can... Find somebody else, at least somebody, if not a group of people that you can be honest with where you're really at. Because if it's a secret, it's got power. So the powers and principalities are things that God gave. They were given power, and they, this is too, too brief, but um, there are actual powers, external powers like the government and the economy and, the, and, and money, that were given by God, but they've been rebellious. I think there's an inner spirit behind things, a spiritual power, a demonic power that was supposed to serve God, but is serving others. So when we say that it's an idol, it's idolatry, okay, it's just money. 
But as soon as you start to give allegiance to it, there's a demonic power behind it that's like, yes. It's enslaving. Sex is enslaving. Money is enslaving. It's poison. It's powerful because there's actually demonic power behind it. When you put your focus there, it's going to have you. But it can be powerfully useful. You can use those things as well for God's glory. So um, we need help so we don't get trapped by these powers. Find ways to be close to people who are poor. And don't favor the rich. Our zoning laws, we get in a certain socioeconomic group, you tend to hang with people like you. Most people, their five friends are pretty similar in education, in their best friends are education, uh, money, other things. So you need to try hard to get to know people who are different. You do. Or else you just tend to be with people, you know, in your family and your friends who are similar. You went to school with them, whatever. And we need to not favor the rich. James says, somebody rich comes in and you give them a better seat. You, he, said, he, he has some bad things to say about that, if you remember. <laughs> he says, we're showing favoritism. So, and even as in our nonprofits, where you find somebody rich, you want to bring them to the resort, bring them to the banquet, give them something nice so they can, might give something back. We need to find ways to be close to people who are poor. You have to try. Now, in this church, you have lots of opportunities. J Justin was talking about how he loved that we are different socioeconomic places. And you can get to know people, but you're not going to do it naturally. You're going to naturally tend to be with the people who are similar to you in, in various ways. So you're going to have to try to do that. But it's so valuable when you do. It's so valuable when you do because you get such a different perspective on the world. Open your hands. All is from God. All is for God. And give thanks. Rejoice in what God's given you. I hope this isn't, again, the light and the dark side here, okay? The light side is this is all blessing from God. You can rejoice in it. You can be glad that God's given you everything he's given you. Rejoice and enjoy it and thank him for it. Remember, it's all a gift. Uh, maybe it's a reward, but rewards got to re lean to the gift side, not to the earned side, okay? Everything you have is a gift. Because God loves you and he wants to bless you and he wants to channel more money through you and he wants to give you lots of other things. Open your hands so you can receive so you can give and give thanks for everything that's in them. Give with joy and generosity. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about giving next time, so don't come back if you don't want to hear about giving. Um, but there's a whole lot of opportunity of joy and blessing that's there. And seek justice. So it's not just about charity. It's also about seeking justice and finding ways that we can, we can do Things that are right. So could the worship team come up? Um, so again, that's too many things for you to do this week. But pick one or two and do it. Um, or write it down and do one a week. Or, or there you go, take a picture on your cell phone. 
Um, or look it up on the web. It'll be on the web. Liz will get it up there. Um, so back to this question we had last time. What do you want? What are you after, ultimately? What motivates you to seek that? And what do you trust to get what you really want? Um, we're going to sing a song that we sang earlier. I'm going to invite the prayer team up because, folks, this is a spiritual battle. It's not just about thinking the right thoughts. We need God to deliver us from the powers and principalities, including money. Thank you, Cherry, and other elders. And If you'd stand up, invite you to pray with people here. Um, and we're going to sing this. I want to ask you, is God really worthy? And we put the words up. Um, so now we tend to sing these um, kind of... Uh, fluffy words sometimes in our worship songs. He's worthy of every song I could ever sing. What did that cost you to sing a song? So I, I'd encourage you to, to uh, substitute some things here. Worthy of every car I could ever buy. Worthy of every house. You know, worthy of every, every car I could ever drive. Worthy of every house I could ever buy. Worthy of every uh, account I could ever... You get what I'm saying? Fill in the things that you're actually after and the things that you actually value. Um, yes, he's worthy of all the praise. He's worthy of all the glory. He's worthy of your breath. He's worthy of your work. He's worthy of your relationships. He's worthy of your love. He's worthy of everything you own. As Well, you don't own it, right? But he's given you opportunity to use it and to share it with him and with others. So let's sing this song. I want us to sing it together. If you want to pray with somebody, come on up and pray. Um, so let's sing together. And um, but let, let's pray first before we sing. Lord, we, we just confess that we need you. We need you to free us power of money so that we can serve you. We need you to open our hands so we can bless you and bless others. We thank you for everything you've given to us. We thank you for all the steps you've helped us take toward trusting you. We thank you for every freedom you've given us. And Lord, we ask for more freedom. We ask for more blessing. There are people here who need to be need prayer for you to meet their needs. We pray for those who are really struggling financially here. We pray your blessing upon them. We pray that you would, the struggles that we have, whether it's too much or too little or too tight or too loose or too um, guilty or too unconcerned, too anxious, God, we need you to take us the next step in serving you. And we want to say above all that you are worthy. We want to build our life on a strong foundation that is only you. Thank you for giving yourself to us. Thank you for paying all. Lord, we ask you to give us our daily bread. 
your kingdom come. Now let's thank you, Jesus. So.